Auburn's Weagle 91.1 FM presents The Scoreboard with your co-hosts Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Your calls are welcome at 334-844-9345. Follow them on Twitter at Jacob Hellman AU and at Bay underscore Marks. Now let's take a look at The Scoreboard with Bay and Jacob. Welcome to The Scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming. At WeagleFM.com, I'm Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Baymark. As always, only a few more shows left before we have to shut off the scoreboard for good. I mean, that, that just, only like three more. It's sad. It's, it's, it's very it's sad. Very sad. Now we now we will be uh, our last show will be on Weagle's 51st birthday. We'll be leading off or really be the kind of the pregame show for um, Weagle Day, and that'll be a lot of fun when we do that. But today we've got a loaded show leading off with. 8A recap, and then moving on to uh, uh, Auburn baseball, NBA playoffs, slash play-in, and then MLB opening weekend. But, Bay, first of all, how are you doing on this fine Thursday? I'm doing pretty good. Um, I have not had a super busy week. The only downside of that is when you have weeks like that, the week after um, seems to slap you across the face silly. but um, Usually comes back and bites you. Yeah, but I- I'm doing good so far. It's a good weekend. It's Easter weekend. Um, so this is going to be a great weekend up ahead. But like you said, i got a lot of great things to talk about on today's show, so uh, should be another good one. Yeah, Auburn uh, concluded its spring practice on Saturday with uh, the 8A game, the annual 8A game. Uh, the the uh, excuse me, the Auburn, Team Auburn defeated Team Tigers 10-9. to It was actually— Which wasn't even teams. Yeah, it, it, <laughs> it, it, was, it was an odd format. I like the format better than what we've seen uh, previously. I think it was better—they they just played. They play, they play football. and Yeah, it was, it was just the end zones, which exactly. is what got the score. So, so yeah, it was a 10-9 victory. There was a touchdown in the last play of the game to Landon King. Uh, then Team Tigers went for two, and it was not converted. But it, it, it was an interesting day seeing the different quarterbacks out there playing. Uh, as you saw, TJ Finley start for one team, and then you had uh, Robbie Ashford start for Team Auburn. So it was TJ Finley... And Robbie Ashford, Robbie Ashford played for both teams. Yeah, he did. But T.J. Finley started for Team Tigers. Robbie Ashford started for Team Auburn. Finley went 11 for 19 for 137 yards and a touchdown was sacked twice. Robbie Ashford went 11 for 13 for 127 yards. No touchdowns, was also sacked twice. And behind them, Holton Gardner went 9 for 11 for 71 yards and scored that uh, that last touchdown of the game. And overall, I thought it was a, it, it was a, there were, there were bright spots and there were just the, the moments that you, Expected to see where we saw from Finley last year, and then obviously with Ashford and Garner being newcomers, we expected to see them struggle a little bit. Yeah, Garner is a guy that I want to get into in a minute, um, but I guess just starting it off with Finley, the only returning quarterback from last year um, in this quarterback battle now that Demetrius Davis has transferred. Um, 11 for 19, 137 with a touchdown, but put an asterisk by that touchdown because it it was dropped. Anybody that goes back and watches it. Now, I, I don't care whether it was caught or dropped, but... But there were also I, some passes he threw that were dropped by his receivers that could have been a touchdown. Yeah, we we, we did continue to see the receiver struggles. Um, a lot of the Auburn beat took to Twitter about that. thought that was very funny, but um, again, Finley, he also had a couple of errant throws. I mean, there was one we were watching in the room uh, in the bullpen just over about Marquise Gilbert throwing right into his chest. Um, I believe it was Marquise Gilbert. He dropped it, and then Harson said with Cole Kubik live on the SEC Network broadcast, he was like, well, that wasn't a great throw, and it also should have been intercepted. So um, I, after A-Day, I'm not completely sold on TJ being the starter. I hate to say it, but I think he's going to be. Um, and unless something just dramatic changes over the summer going into fall camp. Um, 
but him playing with the first team, getting all of those first team reps, even with the majority of the O-line out due to injury, um, and as much as Harson says, you know, the comments about he's got control of the offense, he's really been a team leader, it's unfortunately probably going to be him. Um, his performance could have been worse, but there was definitely room for it to be better. I was impressed, though, with Ashford. Yeah, of course, we also haven't seen Zach Calzada. He did not participate in Ada. I think he's dealing with a shoulder injury that hasn't kept him out of practice, but it kept him out of that live-action kind of game uh, stuff. So he'll be practicing over the summer, and he will have a chance to win the starting quarterback job. But right now, yeah, I think it looks like it's going to be TJ Finley because I, I just as as good as Garner and Ashford looked, I just don't see them being able to put up those kind of numbers or perform like that against an SEC defense. And I trust TJ Finley, who has that experience a little bit more than those two. Calzada, on the other hand, I don't know. Uh, what we saw from him at A&M last year, I thought was really positive for uh, coming into Auburn, a new offense, a new look, and maybe improving a good bit. So we'll, we'll see what it is. I think it's between Calzada and Finley, even though we didn't see Calzada in the 8 game. Yeah, and I think that's what's going to hurt him is the fact that he was held out all of spring and really couldn't go as live as he probably would have wanted to. And I agree. I think last year what you saw from him, especially in the bright spots of A&M season, one of those wins being against Auburn, he made some good throws. Their offense wasn't anything explosive or dynamic. I mean, he just made those cut-and-dry throws um, that, that good, tall, solid quarterbacks make. So that's going to be something that I'm really looking forward to, seeing how, how much heat he can bring to that quarterback battle. Um, but like I said, I was really impressed with Robbie Ashford, 205 stand-up. Uh, mm-hmm. you know. Hoover High School native, went <laughs> to Oregon, um, and now is back in the state of Alabama. Uh, like Jacob mentioned earlier, he went 12 for 16 for 132 yards, winning him the Offensive MVP award. Um, and it's not because of those numbers. I mean, I mean, 12 for 16 is very efficient, 132 yards. I mean, in an A-Day game, it's pretty solid as well. But, I mean, you just felt like compared to Finley, Robbie Ashford had better pocket presence and awareness and was able to move his feet a lot quicker, um, which is something we griped on Bo Nix for the last several years was maybe being too pocket aware and running out of the pocket, or not even being pocket aware and he's just already running out of the pocket. Robbie, even with that second and kind of even third team O-line, seemed to stand in that pocket a little bit more, look downfield, made some great downfield throws, one to Xavier and Capers, which was phenomenal, might I add. So um, that's one really big bright spot for me that the Hoover native gave me. And I don't know if that's just his athleticism right. from also playing baseball, but that's what I was gonna say. Was I when I looked at Ashford, I thought, okay, he's gonna be, he's gonna be kind of like Gardner, where he he's able to stand in and whatnot. But he was more athletic than I thought he'd be for sure. Now, not, way, not a dual threat by any means, right? But. And the way he moves around, it almost seemed like it, it, it was compare it was comparable to what uh, Bo Nix did when he was here at Auburn. For and sure, I, I think that's what you would look at from him if he were to get some game action in this year and. I don't think I don't think he will, but looking at the future, I think that's something that you can look at. Is you know he's a little short in stature. That I think that's something that's holding him back a little bit too. And I think that with that athleticism that he shows, you can't really see it to a full extent in the eight A game because obviously the quarterbacks are not going to be touched and they're going to whistle plays dead probably before they should be or maybe well after they should yeah. be. So I trying think, to protect them, right? I think it's just it's something it's hard to judge when to whistle the play dead as yeah. an official. When it's just they got to get near them. So well, and and one quick note before you continue the the stature thing. Also, we've seen short guys like Tua, Bryce right. Young, guys like that recently that have good had point. success. Good point. That's a very good comparison. I think that that really fits his mold because it's not like those guys are super athletic, but they're athletic enough to make plays when they need to and really move around in the pocket. So I do like that comparison a lot. You know, and like I said, you have Finley 
who really isn't mobile at all. He's big, though, so that's what he has going for him. Yeah, Garner, though, for me, I, this is a guy who, when Auburn was recruiting him last year, I was really high on. Watching his huddle, just seeing the big arm he had, he classifies as a pocket passer. He can move his feet a little bit. Um, he almost reminds me, and this, is, this isn't like saying he's as good as him, but in a way, a younger Andrew Luck. And not just because he wears, wears number 12. Um, just the way he makes such great intermediate and downfield throws from high school. In the A-Day game, he performed well. Um, the freshman, I'm trying to find his numbers right now. Yeah, he went, he went 9 for 11 for 71 yeah. yards and a touchdown. Yeah, and that touchdown pass to Landon King, I mean, it was all over SEC Network. I mean, I know Landon also did a great job going up and getting it, but Holden wasn't scared to make that throw to a guy coming back. Well, and that's the thing. If he's already got that trust with his receivers – I mean, that's a big deal. That's yeah. a big deal to trust your big guy to go up and get it and actually make the throw and execute it perfectly. Yeah. So that, that, that is a big deal just to make that throw. And he was going against, I want to say, the second or third team defense, which, again, doesn't matter. It's A-Day. As much as I hate to say it, Garner probably won't see the field much this year, which kind of sucks because we saw that with another young stud in Demetrius Davis last year. He ended up transferring. Um, but... This just, again, adds another ingredient into this quarterback competition. With that being said, it is a much different situation you've got this oh, year. Oh, for sure. With the quarterback, for sure. with the quarterback uh, room. Because, obviously, you had Bo Nix, who was going to be the starter. He got hurt. And that's when I think people started thinking, we're obviously going to see different guys and whatnot. And you did to an extent. But when, you're, when, when that happens in November – you don't want to just throw D. Davis out there. You don't want to just throw whoever out there. You got to put the guy that you think is going to give you the best chance to win. And I think at that point, it was obviously T.J. Finley. Now, you could argue differently when it comes to the Birmingham Bowl when T.J. Finley was clearly hurt. And a lot of people did expect some sort of playing time for, for D. Davis. And I mean, it would also be different if T.J. Finley waited till this offseason to transfer to Auburn. Good point. And he didn't play a lot at LSU. Good point. Um, but that's not the case. He's a returner. And I, I like how you mentioned the Bo Nix situation was different because we – we knew Bo was coming back. TJ Finley had to come in towards the end of the last season and didn't do as well as people were hoping, especially after what he did against Georgia State. Um, that's a guy whose expectations kind of fell very, very fastly towards the end of the season. So um, it's not an even, even playing field, in my opinion, the quarterback sure. competition, but it's a lot more even than last year was. Yeah. Oh, let's move on to the rushing game. I think this is one of the more negative things. Uh, I, I was not impressed by that. You know, Tank Bigsby only put up 12 yards total. He only got five carries, but it's still not – you can't be averaging 2.4 yards per game uh, per carry. And I think that really looks at the offensive line and where we're at right now. A lot of guys were injured. You, you were missing Nick Bronze, Brandon Council, uh, and two other guys that I just can't name Austin off the top Troxel, of my head. Yeah, Andre Jones. Exactly. Yeah. Those, are, those guys are going to be starters. You yeah. didn't have them. Yeah. So that's a big note. But I still would have liked to see these guys – Run the ball a little bit better against an inexperienced defensive line, a defensive line that and, I think and is linebacking talented. core. Right? Yeah, Cam Riley and Wesley Steiner really impressed me. I, and that's what I'm going to look at it as is those guys. They were behind Owen Papo and Jacoby McLean. Yeah, they're going to be really good because that's who they've been behind and they've been learning from. So they're ready to step up and play against what was the second string offensive line easily. Right. So you could blame the running game on any one of those three factors. Right. Um, but I do like. How you mentioned, point being, Auburn doesn't really get any new running backs this year. You still have Tank Bigsby. Um, Jarquez Hunter, he was out um, due to leg injury. He should be good for fall camp. Um, Sean Jackson actually was the leading rusher for the day who just recently got a scholarship, and he only had 23 yards on six carries. So um, 
Uh, Auburn did not get any new, or they do have Damari Austin coming in, but I mean, spring-wise, didn't have any new running backs coming in, so it was pretty, you know, straightforward what they were going to be doing. So I agree. I, I do... I do think Auburn does know what they're getting in the running game, though. I think it's going to be interesting, the, thir- the third running back battle. For sure. Between Jordan Ingram and Sean Jackson. Or maybe even Damari Austin, yeah. if he's as good as people say. And I, Now, what I'll say about Austin, I think he might be kind of a, a hybrid guy where he's going to be used a lot in the passing game. I just don't see Sean Jackson and Ingram being that kind Oh, no, of guy. for sure. Straight running. So, yeah, yeah for that, sure. that's for the sure. thing. Is, and they're a little bit more experienced, and obviously Hunter – wasn't playing on eight A. He'll be back and ready for the season. And heck, even even put some of summer ball. So that's the hope for that. Because I think Ing- I think not Ingram Hunter has a really good chance to be a great one to punch with Digsby if the offensive line can perform this year. Agreed, and that's what's so good about it being a veteran offensive line returning gives him that chance to be that one two punch. Maybe not as good as a Cadillac Ronnie Brown, but in that dynamic of having two running backs coming in and out. And, I mean, Jarquez Hunter is a true freshman last year, balled out. Um, he's got a year under his belt. Tank Bigsby, he's coming back as an upperclassman, almost left Auburn. Um, he's definitely got a ginormous chip on his shoulder. So, um, I, I just really hope that whoever does end up being quarterback, and I don't think we'll see a completely different offense from what we saw last year, uh, Brian Harson and Mike Bobo. I think you'll see similar stuff with Eric Kiesau, uh, or Kiesau, excuse me. Um, so, my point being, I think you're going to still see a lot of play action, intermediate passing game a little bit of slice and dice in the run game, and also a lot of the tight ends who also had a really good A-day as well. So I mean, yeah, the tight ends are going to be good like they were last year. I think Sh- they had 11 receptions yeah. on A-day. So. Yeah, I mean, you know, let's just run through it real quick. Brandon Frazier, five receptions. Tyler Fromm, three receptions. Uh, Landon King had one with two targets, and then Luke Deal had a reception. On the other side, John Samuel Schenker, two receptions on four targets. That, that's what you're going to be looking that's for. That's very efficient. That's and what I mean, for. Brandon Frazier's were all in one drive from Holden Garner. Exactly. And I also think that a guy like Landon King is going to be more of that split, split out wide. Yes, exactly. He's a tight end, but he looks like a receiver out there. Exactly. Uh, the way he's running routes. Uh, quickly, before we head to break, let's take a look at the defense. Uh, leading in tacklers, Wesley Steiner and then Cam Riley with six and five. Uh, Dylan Brooks, hello. Five tackles as well. That uh, you know he, he was the Tennessee commit that switched over to Auburn. And I think he has a chance to make an impact this year. Donovan Kaufman had four tackles. This is all for Team Tigers. Uh, moving on to Team Auburn, Desmond Tisdale had three tackles. DJ James, you mentioned him, yeah. two tackles. He's going to be a guy that behind Jalen Simpson and Nehemiah Pritchett at the corner position. Um, Keontae Scott, the junior number one corner in JUCO. I think those two guys behind those two starters are going to be um, a very important piece to the puzzle for the defense. But um, I like how you mentioned Dylan, Dylan Brooks. The one thing I'll say about him He's a young gun who the Auburn defense was really expecting to step up behind Derek Hall and Eku Leota, who are going to be leaving soon. So, A guy I was impressed with, Colby Wooden's brother, Caleb. And we had for one sure. tackle, but he just seemed to be flying over the ball, uh, over the field, has a nose for the ball. That's what I like to see. For sure. I think his pass defense is what he needs to improve. For sure. On the other side of the break, we're going to continue with Auburn Athletics. Auburn baseball tonight in Starkville against the defending champions. We'll preview the whole weekend here on the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM. Thank you for tuning in to the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. This is the scoreboard. We're back on WGL 91.1 FM. Or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com, we welcome you wherever you may be listening across the world. Jacob Hillman, as always, sitting alongside myself, Bay Marks. 
If you want to call and be a part of the show, 334-844-9345 is the number to dial. 334-844-9345 is the number to dial. Auburn University is an everything school. And we have a lot of sports going on today. Two teams competing for national championships. Auburn Equestrian currently facing off uh, against SMU. Uh, SMU is giving them a run for their money right yeah, now, right, from what right, I've heard. Right now it's closed. It's, uh, we're in the flat session, and Auburn is up 6-5. to five. Uh, Point just went to SMU. So it, it's a tight one, but you get past this one, you're facing a team you already beat in Texas A&M in the SEC Championship, or you'll be facing Baylor tomorrow, who you're looking to get revenge on after they knocked you out in the same round last year. And then Auburn Gymnastics tonight in Fort Worth over in the great state of Texas. Uh, they are looking to win a national championship in gymnastics. Um, some teams, uh, <clears throat> including a team across the state, already being eliminated today. Um, let's, not, let's not talk too much. We're, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm just, I just <laughs> want to be transparent. There have been teams that have been knocked out the already. The teams that have advanced are Utah and Oklahoma. Auburn will be competing right when we get off the air, 5 o'clock on ESPN2 against uh, Florida, Michigan, and Missouri. And then lastly, Auburn women's golf, the defending SEC champions, uh, looking good right now through round two. Three-stroke lead on South Carolina right now. And an individual, uh, excuse me, individual leader, Megan Schofel. She's in first place at minus seven. Also in the top five, Michael O'Berry, tied for fourth at minus one. So Auburn uh, looking good in the sports world, knock on wood right now. Um, but we can provide uh, those updates as they come for women's golf, maybe before the show ends. Um, well, that's at, golf is done for the day. So Auburn will head into round three with a three-stroke lead, and you have to be in the top eight to advance to the match play session, 17 strokes ahead of that. So, looking good. Another Auburn sport. We're going to get into this segment. Auburn baseball. I mean, what? Hello. They are on a roll right now. Hello. Uh, I mean, winners of their last four series. Um, I mean, they're going on the road this weekend, starting tonight at Mississippi State at Doobie Noble Field against the defending national champions, Mississippi State, 19 and 15 overall, a surprising four and eight in conference play. Um, the Road Warriors are 9-3 and three in away games from Plainsman Park this year, um, and that does count 4-2 and two in SEC league play so far. So um, should be an interesting weekend for Auburn as they travel to one of the best college ballparks in America. And that's a big thing is that you mentioned 4-2 and two in SEC play on the road. Mississippi State has four SEC wins total coming off that national championship season. You know, at the beginning of the year when they lost to Long Beach State, I thought, okay, this is a good baseball program. They're ranked and. I, I expected that to happen. I expected the the championship hangover to lead into that weekend and Mississippi State not win that first series, and I thought nothing of it. Then as the season went on, you realize, oh, okay, this this team is actually not that good, and it all starts with the pitching. Look, yeah. Just look at the rotation. Yeah. 4.22 ERA, 4.26, and a 3.89 ERA. That does not get it done in the SEC. It is not, uh, and I do want to – Correct myself, not three straight series for Auburn, or four, it is three straight series in the SEC. Correct. First time since 2017, have not won four straight since the 2013-2014 um, when they did it back then. It's been four straight road series. Yes, that is correct. Four dating back to the last season. Yes, so, um, and like you mentioned, Jacob, that pitching staff for Mississippi State, um, that could be the kryptonite for the Bulldogs. Oh, my goodness. Uh, excuse you me. It. You'll as, get <laughs> as Auburn has one of the best offensive teams in the SEC, um, they are led by Sonny DeShera, who yeah. just, I mean, is a team leader in batting average, runs, doubles, home runs, RBIs. Um, Surprisingly not stolen bases. <laughs> yeah. I'm kidding. <laughs> I he, I mean, he is the best player in the SEC right now. And you One of the best in the country. Exactly. He's yeah. leading the nation 
in batting average, on base percentage, I think OPS as well. And it's just, he's on a tear. It's incredible. What he did against Vanderbilt in game three, hitting two home runs. I mean, it was a heck of a weekend. That's why he won player of the week. Yeah. I mean, the thing with Sonny also is just, it's not a given when he gets up to the plate that he's going to hit it over about. I mean, you feel pretty darn good when Sonny Deshara walks up to the plate and you got runners on base as well. I well, mean, and that's the thing is when you see a guy like that and he's hitting third, you think, okay, this is a power guy. Yeah, he's a power guy, but he hits for average too. No, yeah. And I think what it is is the way he hits the ball. I, I didn't play baseball. I didn't, I didn't grow up playing baseball. But just the way every single shot he hits is up the middle, up the middle. It's why he doesn't have as many home runs as I think he could. He only has only has uh, 11 home runs. I think that number could be up to 15 or 16 if he were pulling the ball. But he doesn't. He hits the ball to dead center field, and he has hit numerous balls to the warning track at the deepest part of the ballparks. But that's how his average is so high. And I think that is a completely fine thing to give up some of those home runs just to get on base and give the guys behind you a chance to really drive them in. They've done a really good job at that. Yeah, for sure. Sonny, I mean, that's a guy who he's not walking up to the plate every time looking to hit the ball 410, 420. I mean, which is just absolutely insane. Um, he's a guy walking over the plate, looking how he can get on base, hitting the ball hard, line drives. Um, he also credited, I believe, it was on the Auburn Sports Network with Brad Ball after the uh, series clinching win on Sunday. He said something about how he's just trying to do his job, um, and he was crediting Joseph Gonzalez a lot yeah. as well. So I mean, he's not even focusing about him; he's focusing about the other guys. He's a team guy, and he's just doing his part. Um, but speaking of team and pitching staff, <laughs> yeah, let's go ahead and talk about the pitching staff for Auburn. Uh, Excuse me. Um, so this past weekend, the second weekend in a row, Auburn has had the rotation this season of Hayden Mullins game one, Trace Bright of game two, um, and Joseph Gonzalez of game three. Hayden Mullins in game one, career high of nine strikeouts. Um, the Southpaw back at home at Plainsman Park settles in the dirt and does what he does. Um, Trace Bright having a solid first three into the fourth inning Pitched pretty well. Vandy, it was just their day. Yeah. Uh, to say the least. <laughs> 19 to 4. 12 doubles, I believe. Yeah, um, that's about that's about the right number. And then Joseph Gonzalez, Sunday, who's been battling that blister, pitches the first complete game for Auburn in, in a few years, I believe it's been. Since either 2019 or 2017, I want to say. Uh it was it was actually the last complete game for Auburn in an SEC game was Casey Mize yeah. against Vanderbilt. Oh, okay. In 2018. Whoa. Very fitting. There you go. Um, so Joseph, Joseph Gonzalez goes the distance as Auburn wins 8-2. to two. Um, The reason I bring this up, Jacob, is I want to ask you, has, has Auburn solidified their three-man rotation from this point out? I think you have to say yes because of the way these guys are performing. Trace Bright has shown that he is, I mean, I think he's just a step away from Dom. Like you said, he was excellent through the first three innings. Auburn took a one nothing lead against, uh, against Vanderbilt, and then it just – the fourth inning was just an explosion. They hit a home run, and then they hit a three-run home run. It just piled on like that. Trace Bright's close to having like a six or seven-inning outing, similar to what Gonzalez did on Sunday. Which he's had this year. Exactly. He's no stranger to that. So it's just a matter of a really bad fourth inning that cost them uh, what would have been a perfect weekend for the rotation and a potential sweep of the defending runner-ups in the country. So... I, I look at it as nothing too crazy. I think that uh, there's no reason to panic about Bright. He, he's still fine. He's still got a 3.83 ERA. Which is better than all three starters from Mississippi State. Right. So, so 
as far as far as game one and three, you are absolutely solidified. If you have any questions about game two, I don't think you should. I think that Trace Price is still the guy. Uh, Gonzalez has been just incredible. No, I agree. He's the only pitcher in the SEC this year to throw a complete game. Um, and I mean, he's pitching sub two off the mound. He looks comfortable. I mean, you, you can't even really tell that his blister's been a problem. His off-speed stuff looks really good. Um, Joseph's strength as well, in my opinion, being a former pitcher and getting to watch him, because I watched the Sunday game from home. I was taking senior pictures that day. Um, was his command over his fastball, but also throwing comfortably his off-speed pitches. I mean, there's a there's not a lot in Division One baseball, but... When a lot of guys are transitioning from high school to collegiate baseball, in my opinion, are very hesitant when it comes to things that aren't um, second nature, which would be a fastball, four or two seam, maybe even a change if they've thrown it for a long time. He gets up there when he's throwing off-speed pitches. It's just second nature for Joseph, in my opinion. Um, that's, not, that's not something that's uh, rare in college baseball, but he just makes it look effortless. And my point being... Um, that blister, you can't even tell that he hasn't had control over his stuff. I watched the ninth inning of that game. I, I caught bits and pieces of the game throughout, but I, I locked in for the ninth inning, and it was just nuts. I mean, he's 100 pitches in, and he is painting corners. For sure. With his fastballs and obviously the off-speed pitches as well and getting guys to chase. Look, th this guy, he is showing that he has a chance to be a dominant pitcher in the SEC. And next year, hello Friday. Even though Hayden Mullins is doing what he's doing on on game ones, you're you're gonna see Joseph I mean, Gonzalez either on or. Friday night. Pick your poison. Because that's how it started off. That's how it started off this year. Was until until he had that blister problem, he was the Friday guy, and it just happened so that Hayden Mullins stepped in so well that you don't want to change it up. But then he comes out throws a complete game against Vanderbilt. Yeah. So sure, you're you're gonna keep the rotation as it is. But what about that bullpen though? Hey, Carson Skipper. The bridge guy. I mean, Friday nights, or I won't say Friday, game one, Right. I, it's an assumption he's stepping in um, for a couple innings before Blake Burkhalter. Um, even a Sunday game, uh, Carson Skipper, I believe LSU, he did that as well, stepped in, helped finish that game three. Um, he's Him and Blake Burkhalter are kind of my highlights, especially um, as SEC play, SEC play has rolled on through the bullpen. Um, but that's my opinion. And I look at the other day, so... You're going to be able to pitch if if you get the same outings from uh, from Hayden and Joseph as you have been getting, where you just go one two to Skipper and then Burkhalter. They're going to be able to pitch on game one and game three. It's that middle game where guys like I don't want to single anybody out, but guys like Carson Swilling and other guys like that come in who right. haven't been so good so far. But what I what I like to see is Chase also. Yes, the way he's performed. In midweek games, uh, just just this Tuesday, Auburn defeated Sanford four to one. It was a tightly contested game. It it was tight throughout that game. Uh, each 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 time a team got runners on base, it, it became a crucial spot. And Chase also he came in in the sixth inning, pitched two innings, and struck out five guys. And he was gassing it at ninety seven miles per hour. I want to see him perform on the weekend. Who else pitched that day? Mason Barnett, Jordan Armstrong, giving up three hits, no hits. And I two mean, other guys who have started on the weekend. Exactly. 17 strikeouts as a whole from them on Tuesday night. I need to see them transition over to the weekend, specifically for tomorrow night's game, and really perform. I agree. I think those are guys that, like you said, game two, when you might need a few more arms to come out of the bullpen hot and ready, those are guys 
with veteran or not veteran with experience in an Auburn uniform that you need to pitch well. Auburn baseball tonight playing at Mississippi State on SEC Network starting at seven o'clock Central Time. Maybe you can catch that game on the other side of this break. Jacob and I will talk about the NBA playoffs and play-in games. They're bringing back the final script logo, which is actually really cool too. Ooh, ooh, embrace, embrace tradition for sure. The old, the you, new finals logo was horrible. Reject modernity. We're going to talk about that and more on the other side of the break, including MLB opening day in the last segment of today's show. This is the scoreboard. We're already halfway done with the scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can find more Weagle content at WeagleFM.com or on social media at Weagle underscore AU. Welcome back into the scoreboard on WEGL 91.1 FM or streaming at WeagleFM.com. Jacob Hillman sitting alongside Bay Marks as we dive in to the NBA play-in playoffs because those are different, by the way. If, if, if you've been watching the games, you would know that they are different and that the stats and the records and whatnot do not count towards the NBA playoff stats for the franchises or the players. But nonetheless, we have seen two or, or the first rounds of play-ins completed with uh, a Tuesday night. The Nets took down the Cavs 115-108. to Timberwolves took down the Clippers in Game 7 of the NBA Finals, it felt like, 109-104. Yes. to 104. And then last night... The Hawks demolished the Charlotte Hornets, 132-103. to And then the Pelicans backed that up with a 113-103 win over the Spurs. So tomorrow night will be both, uh, both games competing for the eight seed. Cavs and Hawks, and then Clippers and Pelicans. The Isaac Okoro versus Sharif Cooper matchup. I'm sure I, I, Sharif I, even played. Yeah, that was what I was going to say. <laughs> I, I hope not to see Sharif I, I Cooper. Just, I just like to point out that there's a school in the state that's constantly producing. NBA right, talent. of course. I mean, that's smart. Now, of course, there was an, the Pelicans have a pretty good guy. Constantly. Them. Right. I see what you're saying yeah. there. True. I, I personally do not hope to see Sharif Cooper play tomorrow night because it probably means that the Hawks are losing by a lot. Or winning. Well, he, We won by a lot last night. He didn't see the floor. Yeah. So, true. Point being, the NBA play-in is... On fire right now. Playoffs will be getting started, I guess, probably, it looks like Saturday with the Jazz and Mavericks, and then those eight seeds will play on Sunday, I would guess. So, I don't know what to think right now. I don't think any of these play-in teams really have a chance to make any noise. Do, uh, they, do they ever, though? I mean, the Nets, but, like, come on. I also don't believe in the Nets that much, uh, as they will be playing on Sunday against the Celtics. I don't know. I can see them giving some noise to the Celtics. I mean, the Celtics arguably the hottest team in the league or one of them to close out the regular season. I don't know. What I look at is no Robert Williams. Yeah, true. And I think that even though it's not, it's not like the Nets have like a big center that's really good, but I just think that they can exploit that that big opening in the middle of the paint. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, I think it's going to be interesting. Somebody tweeted the video. I think it was Rob Perez about um, <laughs> the video of Kyrie during COVID. He had just gotten to the Nets, and uh, or they had just gotten KD and everything, and it was in Boston Garden, and he walked over to the Leprechaun and stomped on his face and oh, yeah. the shoe in. And Rob Perez tweeted the video, and he captioned it. He said, let's run it back. So uh, there might be some underlying beef there still, some bad taste. I can't imagine it's that. Well, so, considering they play each other so much in the regular season, yeah. like I it's, doubt it's that's probably still there. boiled over a little yeah, bit. But. Now, unless the fans decide to make it something that it's not, who yeah. knows? We'll see. But anyway, my point being, that's just going to be, I think that'll be an interesting series. I know a lot of people so far this year rid, rode off the nets, um, especially with them underperforming. 
everything with Harden and then the trade for him with Ben Simmons. But, I mean, they still have two of the best players in the league in Kyrie, Kevin Durant. Um, I, I wouldn't count them out to make noise, but I don't think they will for sure. No, let's lead off with the Timberwolves. Defeating the Clippers 109 to 104. That was a fun game. It was a fun game. But I've got I've got I've got some takes on how all that transpired. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, Patrick Beverly jumping on the scorer's table, yanking his shirt off, Anthony Edwards joining him. And then in, in the press in the press conference, Beverly cracking open a a cold, a cold one. one, yeah. Right there is Anthony Edwards is, uh, I think, talking about moving on to Memphis. I'm, I'm sad to report it was a Bud Light. But. Yeah, that, that's tough. That's a tough look for Pat yeah. Bev. Anyway, I think that it was... Okay, we are Auburn basketball fans. We are. So, let's look at it from this standpoint. That Auburn basketball did a lot of that as well. They did. But also, it was when Auburn was the number one team in the country, and or as they became the number one team in the country, when they defeated their rival, Alabama, so on, so on. Whereas this was to get into the playoffs. Yeah. As a seventh seed against the Clippers. Point being, the moment was too small for this too big of a celebration. And I understand celebrating from a fan standpoint as well. Yeah. Because you're the Timberwolves. Yeah. Yeah. Timberwolves haven't done much. They've been in the playoffs four years ago. But they've also been through a lot, and they should celebrate just getting there. And the the character that Patrick Beverly is with him have been on been on the Clippers, you know. an, an absolute menace. Yes. So he is going to be passionate about it. But I just thought, I mean, it was it was all fine, and then he jumped on the scores table. Yeah, it was a little much. And I was just like, like really, really? I mean, this ain't Game Seven. You ain't Kobe. <laughs> this this is a play in. Yeah. This is for the seventh seed, not the this seventh isn't even, game. This is even the playoffs. Yeah. It's the play in. I don't know. I, I, know had, I mean, I agree. I don't. I just had to. I just had to say it for the for the fans of Minnesota. You know, they ate that stuff up, just like everybody probably thought. Like about Auburn, you're for your example. Like, but the point is, and, that, and that's part of the Auburn thing is fans are fans. Yeah. What impact do these they are have? also kids? Right. And, and what impact do fans have on the game other than being loud at the arena? None whatsoever. It no. does not matter what fans do. It is the players and how they practice and perform. I mean, I understand it's the reasoning for Pat Bev is because, you know, the way, like you said, Minnesota, they've been to the bottom of the league for a long time, pretty much since the Kevin Garnett days, right. I'd say. Um, you could argue the Kevin Love days. but um, So it meant a lot to that organization in that city just to win a playoff game and start moving on. But I do agree. It's like, if we're going to react that way, Let's wait, wait till you win the conference. But let's also look at D'Angelo Russell. He didn't react that way at all. He was just there for his interview, and he he spoke, and he said, yeah, it was a great game. We're moving on to Memphis. Okay, that, that, that's the reaction. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, yeah, I agree. I was going to say Carl Anthony Towns, but when you perform the way he did, you can't, do, you can't celebrate much at all. Somebody tweeted the picture of him, and I, I assume it's his... Uh, his significant other. Either that or family member. Yeah. Um, but she was hugging him. And um, somebody was like, the way your girl hugs you after you drop seven at open court. <laughs> and that. somebody quoted it and said, bruh, seven in an open court is KD-like numbers. Yeah, it is. Like, it is. He deserves that hey, kind of se- recognition. If you score seven points when you're trying to get to 21, that's 33% hey, of the out- offensive output. You're, you're carrying. But, you, you, you're carrying. Um, regardless of, of that game, though, uh, I don't believe you do either, seeing this team getting past Memphis, especially if John Morant will be back. Um I don't think they win a game. Now, yes, and now saying that, 
I think it's going to be interesting to watch Ant and Ja go at each other. Two of the most exciting that's and young point. players in the NBA. And I think that that's what you get out of this series is a lot of individual matchups are just going to be so fun to watch. I mean, like, not that Steven Adams is this extremely exciting player, but him and Cat going at it is going to be fun. Jaron Jackson Jr. in there as well. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a lot of different younger guys plus veteran guys like Steven Adams going at it and Cat. I mean, hey, Dylan Brooks and Anthony Edwards. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, it's going to be a it's going to be a fun few games. Now, like the games said, are going to be fun. The, the series Tim- might not be. <laughs> yes, the Timberwolves might not win any games, but I mean, I, I do believe it'll be competitive. Um, now, having said that, do I think the Pelicans beat the Clippers and go play Phoenix? Yeah, I think that they're going to go play Phoenix. I think CJ McCollum brings them uh, that veteranship, a guy that's you know been there, done that, um, young talent. I heard there's a guy named Jared Harper on the Pelicans now uh, that plays really well. No, I'm kidding. But hey, let, hey, let's keep talking about Auburn in the playoffs. Why not? Yeah, why not? Um, we need Isaac Cora to perform a little bit better. Not too well, though, tomorrow night. Yeah. Yeah. Point being, I agree. I think the Pelicans kind of built a lot of momentum last night. For sure. The way they played. For sure. And like you said, McCollum was just, just dominant. As far as the Eastern Conference goes, I'm going to ride with my Hawks. I can't pick against them. I'm, I am. I just don't see... I don't know. When when the Cavs were playing the Nets, it made me think, oh, man, this this would be a tough matchup for the Hawks because, one, you're on the road, and two, um, Darius Garland went off. Well, let me say this. I like Cleveland over y'all for two reasons. A, they sustained more credibility throughout the regular season than y'all. Y'all kind of had to battle your way back into the play-in spot. They were actually Fair. up to, like, third or fourth they in were. the East at a while, which, like, just shows how close the East was. Two, in the play-in rounds... They played a lot better team than y'all. I know y'all blew out the Hornets, but they played a lot better team than the Hornets and played them a little bit closer. Also agree. Um, I do understand it's your fandom picking the Hawks a little bit. We're unbiased here. But for me personally, I like Cleveland. Um, I don't think they'll get past Miami. I think Miami obviously will win that series. But I think this could be a very good scrappy playing game. Yeah. What What I'm also afraid of is Jared Allen. He's he said he's yeah. trying to he's trying to play. If he plays. Watch out, Clint Capella. Yeah, and I think Clint will do even enough. with Evan Mobley. I mean, yeah, exactly. Like I think Clint Capella wins that matchup against a hobble Jared Allen. But I also think if he just plays, that's going to be enough to open other things up for the rest of the Cavaliers, and that would for be sure. a big deal. I, I think the matchups you want to watch out tonight, or not tonight, in that game, um, will be the guard play one through three, like you said, um, Trey Young, Garland, Horder, Isaac. Yeah. I mean. I, I think this will be a really fun, scrappy, playing basketball game. I also think that the Heat takes care of either of these teams. Oh, I also yeah. think, but I think both series will be kind of close. I think it can go five or six games. Yeah. But I just don't think they'll get it. I mean, I'll, I'll say it's the best-case scenario to play the Heat. I think they're a little overrated as a one seed, but I just don't think that either of those teams are good enough to really take it the distance. Um Quickly, let's look at a few other matchups. Jazz, Mavericks, how do you feel that series goes? I really like the Mavs. Um, Even without wait, Luka at first, a hobble one. I know, and and it kind of goes back to what we talked about on the show. It was either a week or two ago about how the Jazz have lost. It was a it was a pretty healthy amount of number of games of like double-digit leads or 15-plus point leads. I can't trust Utah anymore. Yeah, I think Donovan Mitchell leaves in the offseason. Um, I don't know what the future of that franchise looks like in this offseason, but... They got really close for a few years, but I think this might be the beginning of an end. You convinced me. I like the Mavericks, too. Even if Luka doesn't play game one, 
Uh, you're at home, and I think that there's enough from the Mavs, the rest of the core, to just to just edge one out. But it's a series. Yeah, that's it's that's the point. I I, yeah. I would say like Mavs in five or six. Yeah, so. it's a series. Oh, uh, we already said we think the Timberwolves are going to get blown out by the Grizzlies. Raptors 76ers. You know, have we talked about the Raptors one bit this year? Like, I just doesn't feel like we have. Not like, really. I really just feel like they're just not even in the playoffs. They, they've kind of just sat there all year, just mm-hmm. under everybody's radar. Um, I do like Philadelphia though. Obviously, James Harden and Embiid. Embiid, the MVP front runner. Yeah. Um, more than likely, the winner going to be this year. Um, and I think James Harden really likes playing with him. We mentioned he said that before they even started playing together. He was like, "Well, like, how do you not want to play with the best center in the league?" So. That could be a dangerous combo throughout the playoffs. And I think that James Harden also feels the pressure to absolutely perform this playoffs. Especially after what he did when he was at Brooklyn. Yeah. Because yeah. He, he hasn't performed yet. Uh, quickly, Nuggets Warriors. Warriors. Yeah, I think that Steph is, comparing this to the Mavericks, Like I think Steph is less injured than, than Luka, so it, it's not going to be a problem for the Warriors against the Nuggets. And moving on to the series that starts Sunday, where I said the Heat will move on. We think, well, all right. You don't think the Celtics will get pushed around by the Nets? I think this game— They may steal a game or two. I think this series goes to seven. Really? I think the Celtics win it, but I think it goes to seven. It's a five or six for me. I think it goes to seven. Bulls-Bucks, a Bulls team that was looking hot, not so much anymore. Yeah, going to pick the Bucks, the defending champs with Giannis. He's trying to prove something in the playoffs with the MVP conversation going on. I can't imagine anyone's picking against the Suns. No. <laughs> so I, I'm going to go with that Suns to the chip. Like, Yeah, Suns out of the West. Still for me. We said that before the playoff season started. We did. On the other side of the break, the final segment, we're going to talk about MLB opening week and our takeaways from that. On the other side of this break. Thank you for tuning into the scoreboard with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. You can find the scoreboard podcast on Apple, Spotify, and anywhere you find your podcasts. Last segment of today's episode of the scoreboard on WGL 91.1 FM or if you're streaming live on WeagleFM.com. We are live from the Harold Melton Student Center on the Auburn University campus in the Bradley Basin studio, April 14th, 2022. My Apple Watch says I need to charge it, so that's good news. I think mine's good. Oh. Mine's up to 78%, base. So well, I, I, mine's dying. Just like, never mind. I was going to say my will to finish school because school's getting tough right now. Look, <laughs> we, listen, Bae, we have, what is it, two and a half, two and a half, three weeks? What what is it? Graduation's May seventh, okay? Yeah, it's six forty five for CLA. Woo. One, two, three. Well, let's 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 turn this into a senioritis segment, actually. I do. I've I've been medically diagnosed with senioritis. Haven't we all? Yeah. Um J- Jack Harden here also. Jack Harden. I, I would imagine has been diagnosed with that for his fifth year. Pa- patient zero, he said. For uh, you can say that again, Jack. You were. We got a uh, yeah, AV technician bay on the on the case. I'm patient zero for senioritis. Yeah. Was my joke. <laughs> he took he took a victory lap. So you you've experienced senioritis twice. Yeah, I've got it bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the longest cases I've ever heard. It's not fatal. <laughs> Clearly. Well, one thing that are we going to talk about bay? <laughs> one thing that does cure the blues of senioritis is the return of baseball um, after the lockout and all the things happening preseason. The MLB is back. Um, nothing too crazy having gone on so far. Again, we're only a week into the season. Um, the Mets well, leading Major League Baseball with five wins. Let's talk about last night. Vladdy. Yeah, dude. Okay, hold on. Time out. Let's talk about time that. out. Let's, lead let's, off let's back up even before that. Okay? okay. The Red Sox begin the season <laughs> at Yankee Stadium. 
lose the first two and nearly get swept, which just preseason, you just don't think that happens. Um, they also lost an extras game one, so they probably should have won that series. My point being, the Blue Jays did us a favor with Vlad and Garrett Cole on the mound and just shelling them. Oh, dude. Garrett Cole, like, at one point just, like, tipped his hat, was just like, like, Dude, hey, nothing new. Li- like literally, like dude pitched all around the batter's box to him the entire night and just did. Vlad did what Vlad did. Um, Vladdy is quickly rising my favorite power or my favorite player power rankings. Oh, for sure. I and mean, he he's surpassing a lot of people. Blue Jays are leading the AL East at four and two right now. Quickly followed behind the Tampa Bay Rays, a former team of Jack Hart, four and three. Are they still one of your teams, Jack? I have the hat. Okay, so that, that's <laughs> that, a yes. That counts. Um, the New York Yankees and the Red Sox at three and three. The Orioles at one and five. So for me, a quick breakdown for the Red Sox. Pitching's not great. Offense is okay. That's all I'm going to say. What I'll mention is I find it very annoying whenever ESPN decides to interview your center fielder. T.K. Hernandez. Yeah, and there's... In a two-run ball game, and then he's literally, like... A, a play literally happens right there. Like, what are you going to do, like, right here? He's like, well, he's like, depending on where he hits it, like, obviously it's going to depend on where I throw it. Next pitch, ball gets hit in the left center field gap, and he's got to come up and make a throw. Obviously not in time. I mean, like, I understand, like, the the mic'd up stuff, but it's almost like, in that sense, it's like, that's a very annoying thing. How about you do it when they're in the dugout and they're, right. like, they they finish the last inning? Yeah. Like, I'm fine with micing guys up and talking to them during a game, but why can't we do it when they're not actually like, out there playing? I, understand. I, I get why. I understand I they're professionals and they know what they're supposed to do in certain situations, but, like, me personally, when I played baseball, pre-pitch, every single pitch, I'm like, what am I doing if the ball gets hit to me when I'm right here or right, right here? Or if there's there's a run right here, so do I need to go here or here? Um, but I digress. Red Sox, I mean, again, a week into the season, sitting at 500. They looked, they lost game one in Detroit, 1-2 um, to take that series. Um, so sitting at 500. The Braves, though, defending World Series champs made the return. Well, well, speaking of also Hernandez, as he ran off the field with the microphone, he, he, he oh, called yeah. out Ozzie Albies. So I get to complain about it even more this Sunday when it is Ozzie and he against gets the Padres. Yeah. Fun. The the Atlanta Braves, as you were saying, uh, three and four, a little bit of a championship hangover. Uh, lost the series to the Reds. Uh, well, tied it actually, I believe. So take that for how you will. You lost both games, six to three. You won two to one, seven to six. I like where we're at. I like where we're at because I'm seeing positives all over. Uh, you're still getting home runs are still being hit by Austin Riley. Marcelo Zuna's return yeah, he, to form. Didn't he hit one in his first at bat? Yeah, he yeah. Did. So Matt Olson, three ninety one. He's hitting the ball well. I, I I just like where we are at, especially considering we're we're DHing random guys. Yeah, we're DHing guys. I'm just like, why, why? And I think that when Ronald comes back, he's gonna fill in that DH spot really well for a month or so until he gets back into the outfield for sure. Right. And then I think catcher is. Kind of an odd spot because we're not catching Darno as much as I'd like to. He's he's only caught four games. Yeah, and then you have uh, Manny Pena, an, an experienced guy, two games, and then Will Contreras. He's he's caught one game. So I'm interested to see how all this really unfolds and what we settle into, uh, because Rosario, I mean, he hasn't been that good. He's got one hit. He's one for twenty this year. That's crazy to me. Just uh, like Shohei Otani was three for twenty-one the other night. True. So and then I don't know. Cold start. It's a cold start. Um, when Ronald comes back, I think it'll be a much smoother thing as far as the pitching goes. That's that's interesting to me. 
I think there's a lot of different ways you can go and how you feel about this. Uh, Freed's 0-2, but he also hasn't pitched awful. He's had some blow-up innings. Kyle Wright, hello. Yeah. Hello. I'm not a Kyle Wright believer. I have not been a Kyle Wright believer. But give me another performance like he had uh, uh, Master Sunday. I'm believing. Yeah. I, I One thing I'll say about Atlanta, completely unrelated to the team this year, probably the sickest rings in MLB history. Oh, my goodness. What about the uniforms with the gold trim? Unifactor? Can, can we get a confirmation that we like the gold trim for the championship recognition? It's subtle. I like it. Yeah, that's that's the point. I enjoyed it. That's the point. It was I was good because when I saw the gold tees, I was like, okay, there's gonna be gold. In, I was like, sometimes it's a little over the top, but I mean, the the simple edition was right. Take I, out the yellow, put the. Gold. I'm looking to buy stuff from from fanatics with the Braves gold stuff. Uh, I just haven't decided what I want to buy. So that that's when when I'm trying to buy it, it's usually pretty good. Yeah, but I mean, I guess the big the biggest point that we're making in this segment is. Baseball's back, so we're blessed in that sense. But thank the Lord. Not the best start for either Jacob's team or or my but team. Hey, it doesn't matter. Look look at how the Braves started last year. Yeah. Ronald Acuna was single handedly winning. Red Sox didn't start great last year either. Yeah. I mean And he just a few wins away from, from a World, World Series, Series appearance, so I yeah. I was gonna say talk to us back in August, but mm, rip. You can follow our Twitter. Follow, follow, follow <laughs> us on Twitter at Jacob Hillman AU yeah, and at Bay underscore Marks, and you'll see that. Anything else you want to add? Ah, jump on. Hopefully, baseball gets a big dub tonight because I think that that team needs to get a sweep at Mississippi State to really show the world that they're for real. Well, thank you. Thank you as well, Jack Hart, for your commentary this last segment. Thank you, guys. <laughs> you can catch us next Thursday right back here on WGL 91.1 FM. For Jacob Hillman and Jack Hart, I am Bay Marks saying so long. This has been The Scoreboard on Weagle 91.1 FM with Bay Marks and Jacob Hillman. Join us every Thursday at 4 as Jacob and Bay cover all the happenings in sports. You can keep up with all the great shows on Weagle by streaming us on our website at WEGLFM.com and following us on Twitter and Instagram at WEGL underscore AU.